The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Network. You're listening to Jones and Brown. Both of you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Jonesy and Brown podcast. He is Mike Jones. My name is John Brown. We come here every time we feel like we have something to say and we talk about sports. We live in the Philadelphia area. We are fans of the Philadelphia team. We're four for four. That's just how it works. Eagles, Flyers, Sixers, Phillies. We planned on coming in, stepping up and talking about uh, March Madness, but... The Eagles decided they wanted to jump in the conversation. They felt like we've done too many shows and not talked about them. So they made a uh, they made an, a draft pick trade. They traded down. Eagles had the number six pick. They traded it. Oh, oh, oh! Let's give the full story. Give the full story. All right. Because because reportedly, before they traded down. They made the attempt to trade up to three. Okay. And when they were unsuccessful in being able to trade up to three to try to draft quarterback Zach Wilson, then they traded back to twelve. That is true. Now, I will. I read those reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Jones. Mike Jones, you're a cynic like me. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that? Do you believe that story? Do you believe that? I, okay, I'll say this. You never know. This time of year, you hear all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'll say that I don't think it's impossible. Knowing this organization, knowing yeah. Howie's history, knowing recent history, I don't think it's impossible. And secondly, I will say this, that if it is true, Mm-hmm. That says to me that not being able to draft Zach Wilson and then deciding to trade back, mm-hmm. they're almost looking at this like a throwaway rebuild year. They're going to look for a quarterback next year. They don't trust Hurts at all is what I got from that. I guess, well, to me, I feel like every Eagles conversation that we have had for the last 10 months mm-hmm. have circled around two words. Organizational failure. And you and I, being mm-hmm. Eagles fans, we, we know this fan base. We understand this fan base. We've been in this fan base for most of our lives. You know, unfortunate, unfortunately, fortunately, no matter how you look at it, this is you know, we blame the quarterback here. When a team when a team is struggling, when the team ain't winning, no matter who the guy is, we blame the quarterback. And there were a lot of people who were ready, who were happy to see the former quarterback go out of town. You and I have talked about it. We've talked about the failures of this team. And look, there there is no way you can absolve the quarterback from some blame. He deserves some blame. He played like crap pretty much all season long. 
but but there was also bad play calling. There was there was bad coaching. There was also a lot of bad front office decisions. Coach, true. The coach is gone. The mm-hmm. quarterback is gone. Mm-hmm. The front office, the guy who's running the front office, still there. And this, this if these stories are true. And we do not know whether, you know, I don't know how much you can put in this. But nonetheless, it's like, hey, this is, this does not, for me, this, this doesn't help anything. This doesn't, or I should say, this doesn't, this doesn't, like, stir my confidence. I'm looking around. I'm looking at the team, and I'm. What are you guys doing? Wait, what? You know, because as you sit here and 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 you you read the stories like I read the stories, you hear that Jeffrey Lurie wants to put everything in the uh, Jalen Hurts. Let's make sure we do everything that's possible to make Jalen Hurts as successful as possible. Okay, you have the number six pick. You can get him a weapon. You can do you can do for Jalen Hurts what you never did for uh, Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were able to find some weapons, but here they you have a top ten NFL draft pick. We've all said, you know, I I'm I'm honest. I've been honest. I'm like, I don't know if I trust Howie with this pick. If there's a way to screw this up, Howie will screw it up. But but the consensus had been, hey, look, number six pick. You're gonna trip and fall. Yeah, it's hard to it's it's hard to mess up the number six pick. You could trip and fall into a superstar at number six. I have also said from the very beginning, and this has been no matter where the Eagles have drafted over the years. I want the number one pick to be a day one starter, a day one contributor. I don't want I don't want uh, projects. I don't want guys that, you know, you hope can become a, 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 a contributor. Not with your number one pick. Your day one, your day, your day one and your day two uh, draft picks should be able to come in and contribute from day one. Day one and day two? Or rounds one and two? No, no, day, well, I, I say day I understand third round pick might be a be a stretch. Third round pick might be a stretch, but I do believe that your number one pick and your no, and your number two pick should be able to come in. Your number one pick should start. Mm-hmm. Your round one pick should start. I believe your round two pick should start, but you know if they're if depending on who you have at that position, okay, I'm willing to accept if he doesn't. Okay. But, you know, I'd like him to start, depending on who you got, okay, you know, maybe, maybe not. You know, like, uh, uh, for instance, Eagles have brought in uh, Josh Howard. I would have loved for Miles Sanders to come in and be the number one pick, but he's playing behind Josh Howard. You know what? I understand. Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard. What did I say? Josh? Sorry. My bad. But you you understand what I mean, though. I started thinking about Josh Huff for a second. (laughs) No. You know what that's that that's a podcast for another day, but nonetheless, 
it's like you you bring in a Miles Sanders, you know Miles mm-hmm. Sanders can be your number one back. But the fact that can he, he? I believe he can. He? I I I believe that he can. My whether he, he whether hasn't showed himself able to stay on the field enough to be your number one every, like mm-hmm. your everyday out there. I will I will tell you this. You have to be able to take a bruising for that. And now that is true. That ability. That that is true. I still have high hopes. It's not about his talent to me mm-hmm. so much as his ability to stay on the field if he's playing that volume of snap. But you still, but you do you believe that there's enough there to at least hope, at least think that maybe he can. Yes, some things need to fall into play. Yes, some things need to happen. But this is we're not talking a bust here. Miles Sanders no, can not, play. Yeah, Miles Sanders can play bust. football. No, no way am I calling him a bust. He's a very good football player, very talented running back. To call him every down back, though, I I think is some not there yet. You're not there yet. I understand, but none nonetheless, Miles Sanders was a contributor from day one. Mm-hmm. Very good that, football, a right very now. good football player from mm-hmm. day one. That that's what you expect. That's what I. That's what we need here. No, the number one pick, and 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 honestly, there is you know there's nothing that will say hey. They can't find value. They can't find uh, a instant contributor at number twelve. But the problem is, I feel like Howie is putting himself in a position where Howie is putting himself in a position where it's like you gotta hit a home run. You gotta hit a home run, and it has to be clear from the door. And honestly, that's where I think I completely disagree with you. Okay. I think what Howie did, especially once you see that he traded back, mm-hmm. is put himself in a position where if they bust this year, which I think is very likely, he could just sit back and say, oh, well, we didn't have our quarterback. Jalen Hurts isn't the guy. Mm-hmm. And But look, I've got three first-rounders next year. I'm the I'm the man, and we're out of we're out of cap hell now. And look what I did! See how mm-hmm. fast I turned it around. I, I think that's what Howie Roseman positioned himself to do this year. I, I I I hear you. I guess I and I, and I, 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 I well I, I'll, I'll put it to you like this: as as a fan, I'm not sure if I have that type of patience with. Howie. However, I do understand that from a front office perspective, front office people, person, front office personnel, team owners, whatever, they operate under the guise of if you listen to the fans, you end up joining them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I can sit here and say, you know what, man, I, I, I don't know if I have that much that that type of patience, but Jeffrey right. Lurie just might. All right, let's look at it this way: your your older. I'm your GM. Mm -hmm. I come to you and I say, we just lost our quarterback. Mm -hmm. We we moved out our last year starting quarterback. We've got this kid hurts. Maybe it was a mistake. We drafted him. Maybe it wasn't. We can find out. If he's good, he's good. If he's not, we'll have a high draft pick the following year when we're actually out of cap cap Mm -hmm. trouble. But this year, we know going into the year, we weren't going to really be able to put a true 
comp truly competitive team on the product, no matter who our quarterback was. Mm -hmm. No matter whether we drafted at number one or we brought in Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson in a trade or whatever we did, we're not going to be able to put enough around them to really make a run at it this year. So why not see what we have in the kid hurts? And in the meantime, we can prepare ourselves for the following year to make an actual push at putting together a competitive squad. And I guess if hurts is good mm -hmm. at the end of the year. You're in a much better cap situation to try to put a team around them. And you know what hurts is. If hurts isn't good, you, still, you have another high draft pick next year because if your quarterback's not good on this team, the whole team is going to be terrible. Do you have that type of patience? One year, I don't expect them to be good anyway, so it's not really mm -hmm. a matter of patience. That's And that's kind of my point. I don't know that any Eagles fan, any realistic Eagles fan, mm -hmm. no matter what they would have done, was actually going into this next season expecting the Eagles to really be good. Mm -hmm. So... The, the leash was already there for Howie Roseman. He just decided to use it. So, all in all, you see them make this move. You think this is a good move? Do you put the stamp of approval? Or are you, you looking at them with the side eye? You giving the Eagles a side eye right now? Or are you, pretty, you on I'm board? Not, I'm not mad at the move, mm -hmm. assuming they get the pick right at number 12. It still comes back to trusting an organization, whether it's at 6, 12, 26, to get the pick right. And Howie's track record to date is questionable at best in doing that part of his job. It is. So, it is. And I, so, yes, ask me if I think they can get it done. I don't know. I just don't know. I, I don't think it was a bad move. If the if you have guys who are capable of executing the plan properly, do the guys that are in Philly's front office right now qualify as people who will get the job properly? That's a completely different question. <laughs> no, because right if your that. idea was to take Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith at number six, you can probably still get a guy like Jalen Waddle at number 12 who's just as skilled a receiver. There are options out there. Mm -hmm. If you happen to see a run at quarterbacks early, you never know how the draft may fall because you may see four or five, four quarterbacks go in the top five, top six picks. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, then all your receivers and everyone else fell, and you could definitely still get a good player at number 12. Mm -hmm. Like, I, 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 I not guess, everybody in that range is going to want a receiver anyway. There are multiple high quality receivers out there this year. So, they, they assuming could, I, you mm -hmm. get the pick right, it's a good move. That's a you save assumption. some cap money. You pay, you spend less, a few million less for number twelve than you do for number six. That's you spit, mm -hmm. you know, you get extra picks, draft capital next year. That's a huge we'll assumption, see. though. That's and that's an uh, that's an I assumption. Mean, as a, I'm not quite sure. I have the, but from uh, the front office's mm. position, the front office has to have the perspective of we are going to get the pick right. Mm -hmm. Whether oh, or not of course. you and yeah, I, yeah. whether or not you and I believe in them, yeah. they they have to operate from the perspective of 
we can get the pick right. Doug's not saying so, Doug, excuse me, Doug's going. So if they have the perspective of we can get the pick right, it's a good move if you keep it in that perspective. Howie's not sitting back at Novacare or wherever he is right now thinking, yeah, we're going to jack this pick up. Exactly. And, and and probably if you ask Howie, he's like, look, I, I haven't jacked any of these picks up. Fans <laughs> might say otherwise. <laughs> but I'm sure Howie thinks that he's gotten all the picks right. Mm-hmm. I, I just I'm feel sure like does. I, I just feel like I, you know, just given their history, and I feel like when you talk, uh, you can't talk about the struggles of the, the struggles of the Eagles, especially in, in, in recent years, without coming back to the way that they've drafted. I was watching SportsCenter, and they had a graphic up. Uh, Kevin Nagandi was talking about it, and he was just saying that basically in the last, like, five years, the Eagles have had one Pro Bowler from their from their draft pick. They have drafted Carson Wentz. Wentz. Yes, Carson Wentz was the only Pro Bowler mm-hmm. that they've drafted. And he's not here anymore. And he's either. not here anymore. You, you know, so no, I I and there there are way too many drafts to, uh, of in the last five to six years where at this point now there's one maybe two players left. Mm-hmm. There, there are drafts now where there are nobody left. There's nobody left from that draft. It's plenty of them. Like the last two drafts, you can only say different because it's because it's the last two, two years. Yeah. But going back to three, four years, yeah, I think once you start going back three years, we've done this before. There yeah, aren't yeah, any guys we, left. That's where you know. That's where this all goes. You know, it's it's it. And and it'll make you mad. It'll make you mad. You're you're looking now, 2019. Dillard Sanders, Arthago Whiteside, Sharif Miller, mm-hmm. Clayton Thor- Thorson. Let's see, 2018. Dallas Goller, mm-hmm. Avante Maddox, Josh Sweat, Pryor, Mylotta. Mm-hmm. 17. Barnett. Jones, Rasul Douglas, Mac Hollins, Donnell Pumphreys. I can't wait for 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 to talk to Javon Alford. Donnell Pumphrey was his guy. He'll tell you otherwise. Donnell Pumphrey was his guy. Don't put that on that man. <laughs> I say it because he's not here. Carson, 2016. Carson Wentz, Isaac Sayamalu, Wendell Smallwood, mm-hmm. Halapulavati Vitae. Blake Countess, Jalen Mills, uh, mm-hmm. Alex McAllister, Joe Walker. 2015, Nelson Aguilar, Eric Rowe, Jordan Hicks, Ja'Cory Shepard. Ja'Cory Shepard. Mm-hmm. Randall Evans, Brian Mahalik. And that, look, there, there's no need to go even farther back. Yeah. That's your last. That's. that's like, like I said, once you get past three years, it's mm-hmm. and even at three years, you're looking at a short list. Best so player go beyond three years to best, two guys. Maybe best player out class. of all. Best player out of all of that was Carson Wentz, and he had an abomination of a season, and now he's gone. Mm-hmm. And now you have a high draft pick. The, the, you know, 
the dumpster fire of a season that we all went through last year. Gave us the number six pick. We have now traded out of the six pick. Now we have the, the 12th. There are people who wanted uh, either Chase or Pitts. Now, I'll ask you before we, uh, you know, before we go further, who did you want? Was there was there a player you were looking at? Hmm. It was it either or, or is it, you were good with you were good with. I expect I expected what happened to happen. You expected them to trade down. Mm-hmm. You thought they would trade down. Why? Because, I, for many of the reasons I explained earlier, that mm-hmm. this is a team that I just don't think was going to be great this year, no matter what. Yeah. And they need to get a, a reset on their cap situation. You pay less money on number 12 than you do on number six, and you get future assets mm-hmm. for when you are in a better situation because you're not taking that $34 million hit for Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. In addition to other, that's not the only dead money they have on the cap issue no. either. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to be competitive with that much dead money on the cap. That's true. That is true. So I would say, like, when it comes down to it, I I withhold my true opinion of it until I see who they get. Who they get goes a long way. I I I don't want. I'll, I'll tell you this though. What I don't want to do on draft day, when it comes time for the Eagles to make their pick, one thing I don't want to say is who. They make their pick. Somebody comes up. Who? Wait, wait, what? what? Who? I don't want to say that. I don't want to put it that that way because mm-hmm. coming out of this college season specifically, mm-hmm. there could be a very good player who you say who because guys opted out this year, mm-hmm. uh, all manner of other things that are very talented players. What I want is for the guy to be able to play football at a high level. I want him to play football football at a high level. I want I want football at a high level that you can play from day one. Mhm. Yeah, I don't care if I know your name or not. We, you know, I'd if rather you play, know. I'll learn. If you I, play, yeah. I'll learn your name. I'd rather know your name, but if you, look, it won't take long for me to drop that. There've been I'm a lot a, of guys whose whose names we knew that couldn't play. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, man, I'm gonna be. I, I wasn't that familiar with Carson Wentz when they got him. It it, it 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 honestly did not take me very long to get on the Wentz wagon. Exactly. In fact, I started looking for my entry onto the Wentz wagon as pretty much right after Minnesota offered a first round draft pick for Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. I had my doubts. But let me say this, Jay. Mm-hmm. How often have you heard me? rail about the disadvantages of overpaying a quarterback. As long as you've known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that that that's a Mike Jones sticking point right there. That's that's all right. A true so, sticking point right there. So I generally put the number somewhere around ten percent of your salary cap mm-hmm. where you start 
that's and honestly it's a little lower than that but i'm being generous mm -hmm. and when i say 10 percent is where you start to see diminishing returns on your quarterback yeah the investment in your quarterback so mm -hmm. if his cap hit is more than 10 percent it's going to be a problem to trying to win at the highest level mm -hmm. the, the eagles are spending more uh, around just about 20 percent of this year's cap on a quarterback who's not even on the roster so if i have a good player at that position contributing for me and it hurts to pay him 11 12 percent how much does it hurt to spend 20 percent on a guy who's not here this is why i say I, eh, it doesn't matter it's kind of a throwaway year you know, I just think like maturely speaking, of course, it, you you understand it. That's a mm -hmm. concept that you understand. I I I feel like history has told us, like especially like recent history, and even recent history. I I, I mean like this century. I, I I don't I don't know too much about throwaway years. I understand them, and I don't dispute. Mm -hmm. I don't dispute them, but there—that's always been like throwaway years. Will always be a hard sell in this town, mm -hmm. and especially for what I, I should say. But what I'm saying is, I don't think they mm -hmm. have to sell it because at the point where. Wentz was traded, mm -hmm. and you and honestly, prior to the trade, you had a large portion of the, the fan base that was saying, "Get Wentz out of here. We mm -hmm. want him out of town." Yeah. They did a good job of managing as a team. That they did do a good job of managing the messaging and the perceptions of that, mm -hmm. to where the fan base was okay with moving on from Carson Wentz, mm -hmm. but. A part of that is in moving on from Carson Wentz, you have to step into a throwaway year. Yeah, it, no, I mean, it, it's a package. It's a package deal. So once you sold the, we're moving on from Carson Wentz. You sold the throwaway year with it. That's just the fine print. You know, you you, you didn't advertise that part, but you already sold the people on it. I I've already accepted it. I guess, and and maybe, and I I think. Like, if you look at the totality of moves that this team has made, they make this mm -hmm. trade. They trade down. They bring in Joe Flacco this week as the backup quarterback. And you know, and I know, like, when we know as fans, and I've said this a million times, in this city, there is no player more popular than the backup quarterback. And I think the Eagles found the guy, the best possible choice, who fans will not want at all to see as the starting quarterback. Like I had heard rumblings, and I, I you know, I, once again, you know, in this whole social media era, you don't know what's real and what's not. But I had heard the talk, like, oh, maybe they should bring back Nick Foles. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Every 
time Jalen you bring in Nick Foles every time Jalen Hurts throws an uh, incomplete pass, there's somebody going to be like, well, why don't you put Nick Foles in? You the said only way you could bring Nick Foles back is if you had Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson as your starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Anyone else, half the fan base is going to be clamoring for Nick Foles the second one bad play happened. You said yourself, I mean, and, and you've been pushing this. You've said this yourself, that this is a throwaway year. What happens in throwaway years? You lose games. You lose lots of games. So the mentality might be, hey, we're going to lose a lot of games because we're building towards something in the future. You bring in Nick Foles, people ain't going to want to hear throwaway year. They're going to say, hey, we lost the game. Well, why aren't we putting Nick Foles in? Mm-hmm. Why isn't Nick Foles in the game? We have a quarterback who won us a Super Bowl. Why are we messing around with Jalen Hurts when you have a Super Bowl MVP right there on your bench? Mm-hmm. So, therefore, we didn't bring in Nick Foles. We brought Although in we Joe. we still have a Super Bowl MVP on the bench. You know, you're absolutely right, but he didn't win that Super Bowl here. He didn't win in this town. True. And at this point right now, I'm like, look. Nope. He didn't win this town, their only Super Bowl. Exactly. He won another town, uh, their second Super Bowl with that franchise. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, they bring in a guy. Look, I think. For, for what you are bringing Joe Flacco in for, Joe Flacco is fine. I have no problem with this. Bottom line is if there's a situation where, like like you said, this is a throwaway year. So if something happens, like at this point in time, if it's a throwaway year and you realize that J- Jalen Hurts is not the guy, then, it, you know, it's, it's whatever. You know, it's like I, at this point – you know, if you put in Joe Flacco because Jalen Hurts ain't the guy, it, it, you know, it just is what it is. It just is what it is. But we'll have to wait and see. You know, the draft is still months away. Oh, uh, no, I shouldn't say months away, weeks away. And that'll be how that that will be the, the, the telling point. That'll be, you know, how we judge, how we rose. You feel in this podcast? To hear this more, go to SoundCloud. Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brand Friends. It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and I can quit whenever I want. Just treat me better. After all, we're in this together. To get your high blood pressure to a healthy range, visit heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jonesy and Brian. Both you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brian. You're listening to the Jonesy and Brown podcast right here on Best in the World Sports. That is Mike Jones. My name is John Brown. Uh, look. It's March Madness. I gotta be. I gotta be real with you. I, I gotta be completely honest with you. My bracket this year 
proves why I do podcasts for free and nobody pays me for my expertise. This year might be the worst bracket I have ever filled out. At this point, now I will tell you this. My bracket has Michigan winning it all. I am now actively rooting against Michigan. I am rooting against Michigan just so I can say, you know what? I got the whole final four wrong. I would rather that. That's what, that's what I would rather do. I would rather put myself in a position where I say, Hey, you know what? I am old for four. I would be more thrilled to say, Hey, you know what? I came into the, I came into March madness and I thought that this was going to be, this was going to be what it was, was going to happen. This is going to be the teams that were going to be in it. And I just got it all wrong. Now I gotta be real with you, man. Uh, you know, just because this has just been such a wonky year in all of sports, and you know the the pandemic and quarantining and everything that has played a role has just changed everything. I didn't even get into. I didn't even fill out a bracket until the very very last minute. Game started on Friday. I literally, literally filled out my bracket five minutes before the tip of the first game. But that's not an excuse. My, my bracket was still terrible. But none, nonetheless, I think this, nonetheless, I, I think chalk will probably prevail, but I wanted to get your thoughts so far. We've had a full weekend. First four is still trash, but that's a you know that's a that's a you know that's that's a that's a, a conversation for for next year. We, we've gotten past that. Even though we did see a first four team win a game, I think that I think that works towards my point that you need better games. But nonetheless, I want your I want your opinion. I want to hear your thoughts. Like, if you like want, my like, thoughts are: if you want better games, mm-hmm. see the teams properly, mm-hmm. and let the teams that are supposed to be matched up against each other be actually matched up against each other. Mm-hmm. If Georgetown is playing in the first four, despite being a conference tourney winner, they're seated against a team that's probably a better competition for them, or I should say that they're better competition for, thus resulting in a better game. But, you know, since you want to call Georgetown a number 12 seed, they get Colorado and get blown <laughs> And out. get cooked. Uh-huh. They got cooked. I mean, just absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, but, you know, that that is what it is. And 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 that's that's not to say like like I see I see your point. But nonetheless, none Nonetheless, it is what it is. We're in a sweet 16. At this point in time, like, I believe, who'd you have winning it all? Let's, I mean, let's, let's start there. You had Michigan winning it all. Mm-hmm. What was your big? what's your biggest shot? Who, who'd you have in your uh, national championship game? I had Michigan over Illinois in the title game. Okay. All right. See, look, I don't, I don't feel as bad. I, I, I actually do. Had a big, all Big Ten uh, final game. Plus, I, and when I, the second I found that out, I knew it was shot. Mm-hmm. The second I knew what you picked, I knew my bracket was shot. Man, shut up, man. Uh, I, 
one I I, I liked Illinois because I uh, I like the bull uh, Coy, uh, Coyburn mm-hmm. for Illinois. I like him a lot. You know, he's old old school center. Plays with his back to the basket, just a bruiser. I like him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mean, but but you know, as you know, I, I mean, I don't have to tell you. I mean, because you say it all, you say it every year. You know, a tournament comes down to guard play. Tournament will always come down to guard play. I like you know, I like like a skilled big man, but nonetheless, you know, skill. You know, I, I don't think there's there hasn't been a a, a, a the skilled big man in the tournament. Like even like I'm I'm like I'm trying to like think back, like you know, big men in the tournament who've had long runs. They had good guards. They had good guard. Yeah, yeah. That's the point I'm trying to make. They had good guards mm-hmm. with them. You know, you, you think about the Patrick Ewings. You know, they, they had guards. You know, they mm-hmm. you know, Georgetown had guards. Absolutely. You know, but your thoughts. I mean, I, I mean, let me let me let me put it out there to you, you know. How is your bracket looking? Let's let's start there. My bracket is trash, but how is yours looking? My bracket only exists in people's imaginations. What? And it's it's drifted off to the cloud in the form of ashes. It's been burned. It's turned to smoke and drifted off in the clouds. It's no longer a reality. My my bracket, if you haven't guessed, you seem confused. I burned my bracket. Mm Mm-hmm. It was trash, so I burned it. Okay. It turned into smoke and drifted off into the atmosphere. You, you, you seem to have a difficulty keeping up. I, I'm so, really so, 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 in a, so, in other words, your draft, your, your your bracket wasn't much better than mine. I told you, I knew my bracket was was shot the second I realized who you picked. I, I knew I picked wrong. I chose poorly. Who let you down the most? Illinois, like, yeah, yeah, Illinois. Virginia, of course. Ohio State. Ohio Ohio State and Illinois were the two biggest letdowns for the game. The games they lost to the teams they lost to, Mm -hmm. based on talent, those should have been fairly routine wins for those t- teams. Mm-hmm. Based on execution, they shouldn't have been seated as high as they were at all. So you- that's what I saw. They they underperformed specifically in the backcourts of both teams. Who's the, in your eyes right now? Who's the most who was the most overrated team in the tournament so far? Ohio State. Mm. No, I can't. I I, I can't. I, they I, lost the or they lost the Oral Roberts. Yeah. It, 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 they were outplayed by Oral Roberts. It wasn't a fluke loss. Oral Roberts outplayed them. And that so I'll say that one was my most disappointing team. Mm-hmm. But if you watch the game, I keep coming back to this. Ohio State's guards. 
they seem to be more concerned with finding their own shot than executing and finding the best shot for the team. That's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. That's how you lose games every time. So, but it's, <laughs> and a team that actually is a little surprising to see still around Villanova. Yeah. But they got, I guess. And I say, a, I say a little surprising because there was the injury to Gillespie. Yes. There was a slightly rough stretch during the season where they lost a couple games. But what we all, the other thing that I don't want to say comes second to guard play this time of year, but it is the one thing that's just as, as important is experience and having upperclassmen. Mm-hmm guys who actually have taken a couple years to mature, develop their bodies, turn more into grown men than an 18-year-old freshman who may be more talented. And Villanova always has a couple of those guys as well. With experience and good coaching, that's going to give them a good that's going to give them at least a puncher's chance to win a game. So I don't want to say Villanova is a complete surprise, but them, I, them losing Gillespie and still being being able to get to the Sweet Sixteen, I guess that that's the one for me. I was uns- unsure of, certainly. Like there were people, like I, I clearly I think, ignored the Sister Jean story. Mm-hmm. For the record, that was intentional. I mean. That, I mean that that is what it is. I think it's a fun story. I think it's a cute story. You know, you there's there's a place for stories like that every mm-hmm. year in March Madness. But if it's you're actually, fun. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, it's nice for. It's a nice little feel good thing, but it has nothing to do with basketball. It has nothing to do with basketball. But I think honestly, I, yes, Illinois was good, but I don't think losing to. Loyola of Chicago was that big of a shocker. Oh, you're a number one seed. You're a, you're a number prior to this pr- losing prior to the Sweet Sixteen is well, it's always at least somewhat of a shocker. It, well, I, I should say losing to who you lost to. Mm-hmm. I, I think like of, of course like like you're going number one seed out in the first weekend. Yes, it, it will always be a shocker. I think back to that year Villanova was defending their nat- after the year after they won their first nat- that first national championship, not their the old- year between the two titles. Yeah, mm-hmm. they lost. They lost in uh, the second round. They lost in the first weekend. They were the number one pick overall. Mm-hmm. The number one overall pick, and, and were out in the first weekend. You know. Mm-hmm. I think, but when you look at how this tournament, you look at how the tournament was, you know, you're not shocked. You know, they were, after you know they lose after Ohio State's already been bounced. You look at you know you look at all other teams you thought were going to do well. You know, you've lost a couple number twos. Mm-hmm. Iowa's out once again, but that once again that comes back down to guard play. You know who's the leader of that Iowa team? You think about when you think about Iowa, you think about Garza. 
you know, but Iowa, Iowa being out, Ohio State being out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's my whole my the, whole bracket is in the red. The Big Ten, the, the big. If you were if you were picking the Big Ten to win games in this tournament, your 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 bracket's done. Well, well, the Big yeah. Ten did not make a make yeah. a good showing that, other than Michigan me. so far. That that's me. That is absolutely me. Big Ten let me down. Big Ten was a big turd this year. That's who the big that you know. That's what they should call themselves. <laughs> Purdue. You know uh, yeah, all these all these teams had poor showings in the tournament. How do you remember, like, like you watch, you watch the, you watch the tournament every year, just like me. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you saw a, uh, you saw a conference just completely crap to bed like this? Especially I mean, one that you had real I mean, high hopes. Twelve, the Pac ten, Pac twelve. They've had some poor tournaments recently. Um, they have, but you, but it hasn't been like a situation where. You know the Big East underachieved a couple times in recent years. But is it years where you had such high hopes? Like I feel like they not only did they crap the bed, but they crapped the bed at a time at a point where you really thought that the Big Ten was doing something this year. So, sort of, but I said personally going into this tournament that this was going. To, it had to feel like it was going to be fluky. Because you didn't have the full season to evaluate a lot of these teams, you didn't have the same out-of-conference schedules that allowed for travel and different matchups and all these things, you really had a limited set of tools to evaluate these teams. So because of that and that alone, the upsets and the somewhat flukiness of this tournament are unsurprising to me. I, I just like to me. I it 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 made it hard to predict. Like you look like, at the. I'll be, I'll be quite honest. Like when I was filling out my bracket, I picked more chalk than usual this year mm-hmm. because I was like, eh, I'm not going to be able to guess who's going to beat. Who, I'm really not going to be able to pick. I was like, it's going to be fluky. I don't know. I'm just going to pick chalk and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of chalk on my bracket this year. No, I, if I'm going to be complete honest about it, it wasn't as much research. And, oh, I actually looking at matchups. Is, mm, I don't know. This this is going to be a weird year. Yeah. No, I no, I get it. I get it. And, and, there was a lot because I feel like mine was the same way. And there were teams that I felt like, like I felt like it, it was probably more chalk than I test. And I feel mm-hmm. like the teams that I gave the the the, the teams that I kind of use my eye with, there were teams that I got wrong. There were teams that I got right. Like I look at Creighton, and I look at the way that they just got waxed in the Big East tournament. Mm-hmm. I like I didn't have them lose. Like I knew they beat UC Santa Barbara, but I had them out in the, I had them out in the second round. You know, I, I just thought it was like like you know, I saw I see Creighton with a five seed. And I'm like, look, th- those dudes got waxed by a Georgetown team that had no business being there. Mm-hmm. And what? and honestly, you know, it's like 
That Georgetown team also beat Villanova pretty yeah. solidly. Yeah, Villanova's beat... in the Sweet 16. Now. Yeah, yeah. Once again, once again, proving why I do podcasts for free and they're experts that get paid for their opinion. You know, here, you know, mm-hmm. this guy, you know, you look at what Jay Wright is doing. You lose Colin Gillespie, and you just say, hey, man, I'm going to take one of the, the best guards I've had in the last 10, 15 years, and I'm going to go play his brother, and we're going to go uh, We're gonna go into this tournament. Let me, t- it's like, let, let, let me take one of the best guards i ever had, and I'm just going to play his, I'm going to just pull his brother off the bench, and we're just going to run with him. And we in the mm-hmm. Sweet 16. There could that be, you know, right. now, I, I will... I will ask you this, and it's early. You know, it, you know, the game's got to be played. How much of a chance do you give them against Baylor? Do you think that that do you? Do, how much of a chance do you give them against Baylor? And despite the fact that they're a number five seed, would you consider them a Cinderella? Five seed? No, you're not a Cinderella. But given you, what they've you're, lost, you're not. You're not even a big underdog as a five seed. Mm-hmm. I, it's a good story. Especially considering what they lost, mm-hmm. but and now especially with as many of the top seeds out, mm-hmm. unless you go through Mich have to go through Michigan, yeah. At what point, what matchup do you look at them and say you're a major underdog? Mm-hmm. At this point, your top seeds, most of them are gone, so you're kind of in that three, four, five, six seed rage where they're all kind of which, t- you know, one hand, five, mm-hmm. you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other mm-hmm. as to who's better type of situation at that point. So, mm-hmm. no, I you know, don't. looking at it that way, it's like, I, I don't know I'd go as far as to call it an upset. It's, it's a nice story. They, they, well, I should say, it would be an upset, but I wouldn't go all the way to Cinderella. Okay. When I when I hear Cinderella, I'm thinking severe underdog, 12, 13, you know, at least a double digit seed mm-hmm. to be a real Cinderella story in this tournament. UCLA. That's a, could you could you call like UCLA they're a, they're an 11 seed. They played in the first four. Mm-hmm. They're playing Alabama. Who's a good team? Who is a good team? You beat them. You calling you? I guess because when you if when that you, would be more of a Cinderella run than no than, than Villanova. Oh yeah, you know, no, I understand. I guess the, the the issue is if you want to call it an issue, it's, it's a like, blue blood program. Yeah, yeah. it's UCLA. Yeah, like like I, I just have a, like and the I, name I, the name UCLA seems contrary to Cinderella. Yeah, because you're looking at like you look at teams like Cinder. Uh, you look at teams that could be the Cinderella and look at the names that you're saying. UCLA, Syracuse. Oh, I got you. These aren't teams that have the recruiting disadvantages that you normally associate mm-hmm. with a, associate with a Cinderella team. Like, like Loyola. You got Loyola of Chicago against uh, Oregon State. You know, I think either you know Loyola of Chicago. Even though they're the higher seed, I would you know that's that's a team I would I would put the Cinderella tag on. Oregon State, you know that's Pac-12. Mm-hmm. It's a Power Five conference. Yeah, 
So I mean, like, by that standard, nobody in the Power Five conference should be called a Cinderella. Yeah, uh, I mean, if we're going by if we're, if we're going to use that standard, where you're too big of a name, you have the recruiting advantages of a Power Five school, you got Power Five money. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's not what we the classic definition of a Cinderella who's you know come from the bottom like yeah and I, and I guess Loyola next, Chicago a couple years ago was a real Cinderella mm-hmm. when Gonzaga first started yeah. competing on a high level they were a real Cinderella when, when, when you when you look at some of these teams when 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 and, and honestly when I feel like there was a shift in basketball shift in college basketball when the blue blood programs when they started relying more on your one-and-done players mm-hmm. and you start looking at the smaller schools, the mid-majors who were building programs, building programs with people who were planning on staying two to three to four years. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw some, you saw some smaller schools kind of rise up and, and become somewhat of major programs. You know, you're talking about the Gonzagas. Like like back in the day, there was a time when you would have absolutely considered Gonzaga a Cinderella story. Creighton, mm-hmm. Butler, you know, schools like that. VCU, back when, you know, in in uh, that first year when, when Shaka Smart first came on the scene. And it's mm-hmm. crazy that uh, they're talking about Shaka Smart leaving Texas to go to Marquette. Did you hear that story? Big East basketball, we'll yeah. see. But, yeah, yeah, but nonetheless, but but you see what you see the point that I'm making. Mm-hmm. Where now you know Gonzaga is the number one t- team in the whole tournament. When you know when ten maybe fifteen years ago, Gonzaga was just John Stockton school. That's what yeah, I, I, I you know that's what I thought I of think, Gonzaga. But I think being in the Philadelphia area, you and I should both be very familiar with the advantages you get from having three- and four-year players having mm-hmm. watched Villanova play yeah. over the last several years. Yeah. No, no, you no, you're don't, right. You don't have to have the most talented players because what you do have is guys who are more developed, like I mentioned earlier, and they're also more mature and more likely smarter. They understand the game better. So even though you may be more physically gifted and by the time you're 21 – you may be better than I was at 21. The fact of the matter is, at 21, I'm better than you were at 18. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, you're, what you're what you're seeing is, you know, you're seeing those player the the players that like and programs teams building programs, how you build a program. And I think that speaks to Jay Wright and the job that he's done. He's been, he's in a, you know, he's in a powerhouse basketball conference, you know, but almost running it with a, with a mid-major mentality. Teams with seniors, teams that, you know, that, that, that stay players Mm -hmm. that stay. And that's how he's been able, and that's how he's been able to work. That's what you know. Those are the those are the teams that are now starting starting to to win the championship and starting to see themselves there. Right. You know, the, the three or four star recruit as an upperclassman. Mm-hmm. I'll take I'll take a team full of them over a team full of four and five star freshmen. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's like we had um your friend on coach from a couple uh, weeks uh, ago. Coach Ron, Coach, coach Ron Sizer, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was from Ben Franklin High School. He mm-hmm. was on a couple weeks ago with us and we were talking about how with his team not having any upperclassmen this year, any seniors, and we discussed like that difference in it in a in a young player's body just in one year or mm-hmm. two years. Mm-hmm. And while we may realize that, that that's true in high school players, that's very true in college players as well. That one, two years makes a big difference. No, you're right. You know, many of these guys are still growing, still like getting taller, still definitely still filling out, learning their bodies. Like, you know, many of these kids coming into their freshman year of college, you may have grown, if you're 6'10, you may have grown a foot in the last three years and have no idea what to do with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so you may, you know, Kevin Durant after his freshman year of Texas, couldn't bench the 185 at the NBA combine. That's not a lot of weight for a pro athlete to bench press, but Mm. he was a kid. He was a kid. So, you know, these are all the types of things you got to consider when you're looking at, you know, the tournament and expected outcomes. Mm. And I, like, so... I guess moving forward as we as we go into this weekend, like what is now the story for you? What are you looking at going into the tournament this weekend? In the second, now you're in the second week. Well, I'm interested, of course, as my local, my personal interest. I'm interested to see what Villanova does. Mm-hmm. The the Jawan Howard back to Michigan story is always interesting. Um, other beyond that. At this what I'm just hoping to see good basketball. Of course, of course, of course. Is there a ma- is there a matchup you're looking forward to? Is there a, a particular matchup that you're looking forward to? Uh, um, of course, of course, Nova and Baylor. And I think, yeah. and, and honestly, I would I would love to see Villanova give Baylor a good game. Of course, I would love I to see Villanova beat Baylor. <laughs> like it, like at this point now, you know, it's like now that. And and, and I'm, I'm sure I speak for you because you're in the same boat as me. Your, your your bracket is trash. My bracket is trash. Personally, I'll say this. I I knew my bracket was trash as soon as I saw you uh, pick the same team in the championship that I picked. How about that? I've already used that when you're a little late. So what? I use the second two is more than one. Um, uh, I uh, but nonetheless, you know, like, <laughs> nonetheless, like. What what are you looking forward to? Like I said, I'm really just hoping to see good basketball at this point. Um, I have no betting interest in yeah. this. And beyond the local affiliation to Villanova, I, I have very little rooting interest in this, to- this weekend. So I think they're – I hope Baylor versus Villanova that has the potential to be a good game. Gonzaga Creighton that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alabama and UCLA because of the underdog story of how UCLA has been performing. I also think UCLA may have been a little underseeded, mm-hmm. but 
you know, there are teams that only had two, three losses. However, they may have played fewer games this year. And that was one of those things where I was saying it's a fluky year where never, not everyone mm-hmm. got to play their full season, their full yeah. schedule. So it's tough to evaluate who's who. But I do believe that that UCLA-Alabama game could be a good one. I hear you. I hear you. You feel on this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. I'm Brandon Graham from the Philadelphia Eagles. Every day during the COVID-19 pandemic, our frontline workers are out there serving us. Bus drivers and grocery clerks, sanitation workers, police, firefighters, and healthcare workers. They're taking care of us. Now let's take care of them. Wear a mask when you go outside. Protect yourself and protect others too. We can do this. Let's mask up, Philly. Help stop the spread. And now, a few thoughts from your boy Brown. I got a question for you guys. And I need some help. Hope somebody can hit me up and can answer this question. Do white people put their summer clothes away for the winter? I really want to know this. This is, this is a legitimate question. Because anytime you see that temperature rise to almost 50 degrees, you start seeing 47, 48, 49, you will go outside and see a white person with some shorts on. And I got to be honest with you. I couldn't wear shorts this time of year if I wanted to. All my shorts are in a box somewhere in my basement. It'll probably take me the entire month of April just to find them. I don't know where they are. Meanwhile, white folks always seem to have shorts on deck. They always do. And they'll have the shorts on and the summertime clothes on when it's 50 degrees, 55 degrees, 57 degrees, whatever. Let me keep it real with y'all. Anything under 62 degrees, I'm still wearing my winter coat. Check out your boy Brown during the workflow weekdays at 2 p.m. on the Grown Folks Group, phillygoflow.com. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. You're listening to Jonesy and Brian. Both you the crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brian. You are listening to or watching depending on where you are. This is the Jonesy and Brown podcast. He is Mike Jones. I am John Brown. You can always reach out to us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at BITW Sports or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jonesy and Brown. There it is, Jonesy and Brown. Hit us up, talk to us. Tell us you think we're right because we probably are. Um, Tell us we think if you think we're wrong and we'll tell us why and we'll tell you why you're wrong either way reach out to us we will reach back we will talk to you nba trade trade deadline was this week some you know there were there were trades actually to be more specific it was the most trades in 35 years 16 mm-hmm. trades 23 teams and 
43, 46 player, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was a very active trade deadline. Very active trade deadline. Now, I will say I will say this. There was a trade that a lot as a Sixers fan and you know, we'll we'll, we'll touch on this, but you know, there were still it, w- it wasn't the biggest trade of the day, but there were a lot a lot of people wanted the Sixers to trade for Kyle Lowry. This is something we talked about on the podcast a long time ago. That that move, yeah, eh. it was too expensive. Yeah, way too expensive. You'd honestly be trading for a name more than what you'd actually be getting in value at this point. At this point, like, let me ask you this: I get that Kyle Lowry's. Uh, I get that Kyle Lowry is the local guy. Mm-hmm. But I guess I I I am almost surprised with how much people like overvalued him. I guess in the sense that like we look at you look at Brooklyn, you look at the Brooklyn Nets, and I feel like there are a lot of people who believe that the East is the Brooklyn Nets. It's their conference to lose. You see Kevin Durant, you see James Harden, you see Kyrie Irving. You don't see Kevin Durant. Well, uh, he hasn't played in a well, while, and you're hearing stuff that you you don't know what the problem is right now. On on paper, you you, you look at the roster on paper. Yes, I understand he hasn't been playing, but I, I think the, the the notion is that you look at when you compare the Sixers roster to the Brooklyn Nets roster, you just automatically feel like they cannot compete. When playoff time comes, you're assuming that a fully staffed Sixers roster versus a fully staffed Nets roster, the Sixers cannot compete. I don't know. I I don't know if that is true. Why would you assume that? I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking for myself. I'm, I'm, I feel like that's the narrative. That's what I'm hearing. And because I feel I, like people uh, what treat I'm sa- what people I'm saying is I don't understand why anyone would assume that. I don't know because I you see the Nets have a very glaring flaw. Yeah, I think they have more than one glaring flaw. I think one of their but glaring have, flaws is, is in the middle. They have no rim protectors. DeAndre Jordan. Eh, it's not he's, 2013 he's not anymore. It's not terrible, but it's not 2013 anymore. You know it. This isn't this isn't Clippers, Jordan, and Blake Griffin. It's 2021. Mm-hmm. So to me, I, I feel like Brooklyn has a lot of names. You look at you know, there's a lot of name value on that Brooklyn bench. And maybe that's why people feel like that's why people feel like the Sixers just can't compete with them. And then you have a player, a hometown player, who won an NBA championship two years ago, and they think he's an instant game changer. Like, I mean, I can't be alone in seeing this narrative that, hey, the Sixers can't compete with the Nets. They need a game changer, and they should have brought in Kyle Lowry. Have you not not heard that? I, I can't be the only one who's heard that. 
If you want me to answer honestly, I think you're exaggerating a little. Really? Th- th- there okay. was a narrative out there where the Sixers needed mo- another piece. Yeah, okay, yes. I don't know that I'd go as far as to say that Kyle Lowry was viewed as a game changer as much as a piece that could put the current unit potentially over the hump, get them over the top. But isn't that a game changer in in your mind? Don't you, isn't that one in the same? I don't think anyone was expecting Kyle Lowry to be a guy that you could depend on to carry throughout the game. Okay. He, he's a guy who could show up in spot duty. Like, those late game, late shot clock situations where your point, your starting point guard doesn't necessarily always want the ball in his hands. He'd be a guy who's good in those situations. But throughout the course of the majority of the 48 minutes, you're not looking at him for but so much, you know, you're not expecting him to come in and give you 30 a game or mm-hmm. 10, 11 assists a game, but you would, what you would have wanted from a Lowry. If you bring in a guy like that is that he show up big in situational duty. Mm-hmm. I guess when, when I say game changer, I think it's all relative. Like I'm not talking mm-hmm. about a game changer as far as now, like, like he comes in and he now fills in that third superstar role. But I feel like a game changer in the fact that he comes in and gives this Sixers team something that it needed. Something so that it definitely. Hmm? So does George Hill. No, I, no, once again, I don't disagree with you. I'm fine and with by that. By that definition, George Hill's just as much of a game changer okay. move as Kyle Lowry would have been. Because I'll, I'll ask you plainly. Mm-hmm. What can Kyle Lowry do at this stage in his career that George Hill can't? Look, maybe you don't see, maybe you don't see the robe. I'm the choir. You know that that's who I am. I'm the choir. I'm fine with the George Hill trade. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's, I feel like there's a lot of people disappointed. They wanted Kyle Lowry, and I don't get that. I don't understand and- that. And it's not, and and I, I feel like it's got to be something more than just that he was a hometown guy. Am I wrong? You know that that's. I feel like there's there's. It's got to be something more than just he's from North Philly. What what is it about Kyle Lowry that people felt like he was the piece? He was the guy. It's like we didn't get Kyle Lowry. Why isn't that just – it's like we didn't get Kyle Lowry. All right, then. If Kyle Lowry was a buyout candidate, I would have loved Kyle Lowry. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. But for the asking price, and mm. I think that's the part that part people are, are missing. If you'd have took the, the Sixers as is, as currently constructed, pre-trade deadline, and just simply dumped Kyle – excuse me, Kyle Lowry onto that roster, mm-hmm. absolutely would have been an amazing fit. That that Kyle Lowry in that addition to the Sixers as is, is a game changer. That being said, when I get 
if I have to get rid of Danny Green, if I have to get rid of Matisse Thibel, I get significantly smaller on my wings, mm-hmm. and I give up a significant amount of defensive ability as well. Then we're mm-hmm. looking at then that what I'm asking Kyle Lowry to do, and what I need him to be able to do, especially on the defensive end, is in my opinion more than what he's able to give at this point. Mm-hmm. And that leaves you in a completely different situation. So I think that people are looking at what they see from the the Sixers now, what they've seen from the Sixers this season to date, mm-hmm. and they're just picturing throwing Kyle Lowry on top of it and not necessarily considering everything you have to give up to get him Mm-hmm. and what effect those losses would have on the team as well. No, I, I agree. I agree. And I feel like the thing, you when you truly break down the Sixers versus Nets matchup, mm-hmm. um, what I, what I, I guess, honestly, you, you look at, you look at what they need, what Brooklyn has. You know, they have scores. They have guys that can shoot the ball. Guys that can, guys that are going to score points. Mm-hmm. And when you look like you ha- you have that, you need defenders. Why would you give up you know one of your best bench defenders? People, you know, you their their strong point is their defense, their perimeter defense. You really want to give up Matisse Thibel? Do you really want, you know, do you really you need you're going you know that in order to beat Brooklyn you're going to need to score points. You know you're going to need to okay. score. Okay. All right. I'll ask you the question this way. Okay. If you are you if you bring in Kyle Lowry for Danny Green, Matisse Thibel, are you a better defensive team? Ask the question again. I'm sorry. If you bring in Kyle Lowry and lose Danny Green and Matisse Thibel, are you a better defensive team? When you bring in Dan- Danny Green over, no, no. I- if I, I, I'm bringing in Kyle Lowry, giving up Danny Green and Matisse Thibel, am I better defensively than I was before the trade? No. Do I think it made me good enough offensively where I can go into a shootout with Brooklyn and win? I think. I would say no because I think if you're going to get into a shootout with Brooklyn, you need people who can get stops. No, no I'm not, that's not the question I'm asking. Okay. We separate question. We've already established I'm not better defensively. So separate question. Offensive end of the court. Do, can, can we go in playing offensive basketball and expect to outscore Brooklyn in the shootout? With Danny, with Danny Green and and Kyle Lowry, I guess I, 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 I'm, 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 and I apologize. Maybe I'm not, I'm not following the question. Maybe I'm not right. understanding. If I'm the, if you're the Sixers, mm-hmm. if you trade trade away Danny Green, you trade away Matisse Thybul, mm-hmm. you bring in Kyle Lowry. You've already told me it doesn't make you better defensively. It makes you worse defensively. Mm-hmm. So then I have to ask, does it make you good enough mm-hmm. offensively okay. Okay. to be able to outscore Brooklyn in a shootout? Honestly, no. 
Okay, I I get what you're I get what you're saying though, and I apologize for not. I, I apologize for the wheels not spinning quick enough. I understand what you're saying now. I understand the question. Me, you warned me about that red cup you got over there, bro. This. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. 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 I, w- I would probably need more of this had they tr- made that uh, Kyle Lowry trade. I, I, w- I would need a little. I'd need a refill. But to answer the question that you asked, no, I do not believe that Kyle Lowry would give you this team if you take off a of Danny Green. And that's not to say that I believe that Danny Green is just this offensive juggernaut. But I believe that Danny Green can hit a three point shot when you need him to. Mm-hmm. He's proven that he can hit three. He, he's proven repeatedly. That he can hit big shots at you know in games. Granted, yeah, he missed that one. He missed that one shot uh, for LeBron last season, but they still ended up winning the championship. But nonetheless, like I, I feel like when once I saw that, once I saw that what Toronto wanted, wanting Maxi, wanting Thibault, wanting Green, and draft picks, you know, I instant. I instantly thought, man, I'm cool. And especially when they didn't back off that. And then you see that they didn't trade, you know, they didn't treat they didn't trade Kyle Lowry at all. So they didn't back off their, you know, they didn't back off what they wanted. And they ended up keeping him. And it doesn't look like they're going to buy him out. He's just going to stay there for the rest of the season. All right, cool. You know, Whatever happens in the summer happens in the summer. But when you look at the deals that were made, which which deals jumped out to you? Which which what were the deals that jumped out to you? Um there was so much that happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um the one deal that I think before we get out of here, the, the one deal that really caught my attention was the move that the Clippers made, mm-hmm. bringing bring in Ray John Rondo. That is a move that I think can make a real difference in the playoffs. Okay, how so? I think he gives the Clippers the one piece they were missing more than anything else. Is somebody to actually run the show and orchestrate the offense. Mm-hmm. So, like Kawhi Leonard is mm-hmm. neither a vocal leader or a playmaker, and Paul George can be a playmaker, but that's not his strength. He needs Rondo to- fills that void for the team. They need a facilitator, you not know- so much a facilitator as someone to actually run the show. Mm-hmm. Someone who actually, not just somebody, okay, because. There's a misconception your point guard's job is to go out there and pass the ball around. Okay. It not your point guard's job is to really run the offense. Mm. I've got to make sure everybody is where they need to be. I gotta make sure guys get the ball in places where they are able to succeed. I've gotta make sure that people are getting the proper amounts of touches. I need to know who loses focus when he's not touching the ball in these situations and who can play through it and will keep playing defense without the touches. I need to know who can shoot their way out of a slump and who's just going to be cold for the game is going to have to work. There's a lot of mental stuff goes into running in offense. Mm-hmm. You're not just going out there and saying, okay, who's open to give him the ball. 
it, it's not that simple. What most people think a point guard's job is is a severe oversimplification. I got you. I got you. Well, look, Tom, time will tell. Time will tell. We'll have to talk about this a little bit more another time. We'll get into it. We got a lot of sports to walk uh, to watch this weekend. NBA playoffs, they'll be here soon. Got March Madness. Got the draft coming up, man. There's a lot of sports coming on, and we want we will talk about all of it. And once again, remember, you can give us your thoughts. Share share your thoughts. Let us know what you think of uh, today's discussion. Hit us up. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at BITW Sports, or Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Jonesy and Brown. He is Mike Jones. Now, another thing that I heard, and I, I, I honestly, before we get out of here, I need your, uh, I need your take on this. I heard that back in the day, they ain't one. Well, times have changed. So now fast forward to 2021. Pandemic hopefully is almost over. People getting back out there, you know, getting their lives back together. Now you're hot. What happens? Stay tuned. I'll tell you next week. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> Not mad at you. Hey, you guys, thanks for checking out Jonesy and Brown. He is Mike Jones. I'm John Brown. We will talk to you guys next week or whenever we come back. (laughs) At some point. Eventually, we'll be here. Just like and subscribe, and when we do another podcast, we'll be here. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And search best in the world sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown.